This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Hello, I'm Diana Drake, Managing Editor of Knowledge at Wharton High School. We're thrilled today to welcome Adonal Foyle, one of only seven players in NBA franchise history to play 10 seasons in a Golden State Warriors uniform. Adonal is the only native of St. Vincent and the Grenadines to ever play for an NBA franchise. He finished his 13-year professional basketball career in 2009 and remains the Warriors' all-time leader in blocked shots with 1,140, while ranking seventh on the team's all-time games played list with 641. And while we could talk all day about Adonal's professional basketball career, we also want to learn more about his deep interest in financial literacy, especially for athletes. This year, Adonal published the book Winning the Money Game, Lessons Learned from the Financial Fouls of Athletes. Adonal, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So before we talk money, I want to know more about you. It's not every day that I get to speak with someone who grew up on a small island in the Caribbean. Where is Kanawan, and what was it like living there? Well, Kanawan is, the best uh, way to think about it is between Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados. It's part of uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, uh, the bigger island. You have to think a little bit like Hawaii. St. Vincent has, I think, about 46 different islands that is attached to it, 26, I think, uh, above water. And uh, Kanawan is a very, very small island. It's part of the Grenadines of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And uh, when I was growing up, we had a population of about probably five, six hundred, which was booming at the time. And uh, I, what I remember most is that we didn't have electricity, we didn't have uh, indoor plumbing, and I was uh, raised by my grandmother. And uh, very humble beginnings. And I think what I, what I carry with me always is that, you know, less is always more. It's like my grandmother always find a way to help out, you know, people in the village, uh, even when... Uh, when they didn't have much, she would take whatever she had, which wasn't very much, and she would share it. And she would, I was, I'd be so frustrated, and she would say, you know, we never know what we would need tomorrow. So I, I grew up, um, you know, with some amazing people that helped, uh, I think, shape the way and the person that I am today. How did you end up with a career in professional basketball? I think basketball was more thrown upon me. I uh, I happened to be about six eight, uh, and uh, I remember going uh, to uh, primary school, high school, to another island, and on that island, they happened to play basketball. And my island, there was a lot of cricket and soccer. But in this island, there was a soldier who was with the American, and he learned the game of basketball. He came back and kind of created his own infrastructure and built his own coat. And uh, so, you know, they had really, really serious basketball in this island, and it walks in as a six, seven, six, eight, you know, person, and they were like, oh, my God, you have to play basketball. I'm like, what is basketball? And literally within that, the confines of that first month, I learned this game. They told me, okay, well, you just grab a rebound and you throw it to me, and, uh, and that's it. That's the game. So I've been doing this for a while. I remember uh, grabbing uh, the rebound and taking off down the coat, making a layup. was so excited. And I turned around, and everybody was in the ground. It was hysterical because apparently you have to dribble the ball in basketball. How was I supposed to know that? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I, you know, that was my introduction to basketball. So I thought, okay, you know, this is terrible. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, this will be the end of it. 
And, uh, you know, one, there's a gentleman on the island who says, you know, I, would, I could teach you, and I could teach you in the night when nobody's around. And I thought, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And I be, really started learning the game, and, and before long, I was on a plane coming to the United States on a basketball scholarship. And you started playing at 16, right? At 15, yeah. At 15, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of late, but you picked very it up quickly. Late, very <laughs> late. I, I think in, in part... You know, I picked it up very late, but uh, one of the advantages is that because I started so late, I, I felt like I was learning all the way through my career. It was right. never an opportunity like, oh, I don't really need this stuff. I feel like I really needed to learn and continue to grow uh, throughout my entire career. So speaking of your career, can you tell us one of the highlights of <laughs> your career as a professional athlete? I would say probably one is draft night. Being drafted is a extraordinary thing you know coming from where I did and my mom coming to the to the United States for the first time on national television where we've been drafted and I, I remember you know just sitting there and just looking at her face and she was nervous and I was nervous I didn't know if I was going to get drafted uh, so that was a big deal because it was like the beginning of your career you know the opportunity to play at the highest level um, so that would definitely be one of the highlights of, of my career. And, and, and the second one, I, I think for me, is just really being at the same flow with some of the people that I grew up with. I mean, I remember the first time I played against Akeem Olajuwon, and I was like, oh, my God, he's over there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, Starstruck. I know, right? And my coach was like, yeah, you get to guard him. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that you know those experiences you, know, you got to carry them with you for the rest of your life because when you when you're hero and somebody that you respect and admire you know is on the, on the floor with you at the same time and uh, you're elbowing each other and you're uh, running and walking uh, walking against each other is pretty special. Yeah, yeah. So during your time on and off the court, you watched other pros burn through a lot of cash, endorsements, merchandising money, salaries. And a recurring theme has been that athletes make a lot of money, but they're poor money managers. <laughs> so tell us a bit about what you've experienced and why you were inspired to write Winning the Money Game. Well, as an advocate for, I've always been an advocate. I've always thought of myself as an advocate for players. And, and it's not that we all don't make mistakes financially. I think the greatest society as a whole make a tremendous amount of mistakes when it comes to finance. I think it was about a month ago the New York Times had an article talking about you know, people over 50 are not having the financial know-it-all of how to uh, prepare themselves for retirement and, and saving and financial savings. But I think with sports is that one of the problems is it's, it's so immediate. So uh, an athlete, for example, basketball, uh, have an average career four. Point seven for football is two point something, and so you make all this money in a very short period of time, and you, you couple that with the fact that athletes come into the league extremely young, and also that we don't talk about financial literacy in general uh, as a society. We, we're really behind that. So you take all those things, an athlete becomes a, a microcosm of the greater society in that. There is a tremendous amount of wealth. They know how to get rich, but they don't know how to stay rich. And for me, you know, just looking at that over the years and over and over and seeing the patterns that emerge, I wanted to really take a closer look. So part of my master's thesis in um, sports psychology, I got to uh, interview uh, 10 retired basketball players and talk to them about what is transition like and how they've been able to handle it and what are some of the challenges they face. And one of the things that keep... Uh, occurring over and over 
uh, was this issue of financial distress. And so I started talking to them about, like, like what are your experiences growing up? And, uh, you know, they start, uh, patterns start emerging. A lot of them have never been around that kind of money. They come from um, disadvantaged background. And the first time they were really learning about financial management was when they had a, a check uh, for millions of dollars. So it was, uh, it was an interesting eye-opening experience, and I wanted to kind of dive in more to that, into that kind of area. So I, I started writing. Writing, uh, the book. Is there one athlete story that stays with you that really illustrates this point? Uh, I will say there's a, there's a couple of them. And one of the things I try to do in the book is, is to kind of create um, this grouping of people uh, in one camp versus the other camp. And I call them Big Bala Tom and Steady John. And so, but part of it, I remember one experience I had, you know, was, uh, it was a great day. I had walked this athlete over to the bank. And uh, I got him set up with a checking account, everything. And I was so happy with myself. And the next day, he went out and buy a car with money he did not have in that account. And uh, I just remember sitting in the room and saying, how would I, how would I, what, what do I need to say? And how, how could I say it in a way that he will understand? And I start writing a pamphlet. So between my thesis and this pamphlet became the basis uh, of, of this book. Oh, interesting. Really interesting. So what are some key takeaways that might help help athletes as well as all of us? Right. Well, it's, it wouldn't be surprising. I think most of this stuff is really common sense. And one of the first thing is, you know, being involved. Uh, there is a tendency to be kind of skittish around money, especially when you don't feel like you're competent enough to handle it. Uh, so athletes tend to kind of shy away from the responsibility of the day-to-day immersion into their finances where they take ownership of it. So that's a big part. Most of the time when athletes get taken advantage of is that they're not monitoring, um, you know, who is involved in the finances and not doing the basic things. So being involved is huge. The second thing is assume uh, everybody is in good faith, but anybody who touches your finances should be audited on a, on a regular basis. And what that does is that if uh, if it turns out to be a great audit and everything is good, then you kind of fate is justified in the people that you put it in. So you, I think we see it auditing as more of a negative thing. And, and therefore, we don't really take the time to just do our due diligence to make sure that uh, the people that we trust are, are, is worthy of our trust. And I think that's you know, another important area. And I, I would say finally is just when you if you ever if you ever want to really truly be involved, just write your own check. I mean, just do that for a while, and I think you will see kind of the cost of what you're doing. I think sometimes when a, when a athletes have secondary and ter- tertiary people writing the checks and paying the bills, they don't get to see the day-to-day uh, decisions that they're making, and I think it, and the ownership of those decisions. Mm, interesting. Um, what's next on your career horizon? <laughs> you seem to be involved in so many things. I, you know, I feel for me, it's, it's always about learning, always about gaining more knowledge, and always about being an advocate for for players. I've always, I think that's going to be uh, my my life's mission is to continue to find ways to advocate uh, for players. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that? through your advocacy as well as advocacy of others, that athletes are improving in terms of their money management? Have you seen a change from when you started to now? I think the change is is that we're talking about it now uh, in in a much more meaningful way. It's not swept under the rug. It's not, oh, my God, we don't want anybody to know. I think athletes are now being open to the idea of, you know what, 
I can start talking about this. You know, we saw an article where Tim Duncan came out against, uh, you know, one of the people that he was investing and said, you know, this guy took money from me. I think you see players saying, I'm no longer going to hide and be ashamed that somebody take advantage of me. I'm going to come out, I'm going to talk about it, and hopefully it will empower the next generation and hopefully it will help them. Uh, so I think that that is very encouraging, and that's the first start. What advice would you give to a high school student who might be interested in a pro career in basketball or some other sport? <laughs> um, if you're 6'10", it's really, really a lot easier. <laughs> but Obviously. no, no, no. But I would say more than anything else, follow your passion, but always understand that uh, sports is, a, uh, is about balance. And uh, so go out, work hard. Uh, really is about taking the time and spending it in the gym, getting better. If you're going to run track, is going out and doing those things. Uh, there's no substitution, you know, for working. I tell uh, all the athletes I work with, 10,000 repetition of a, of a skill, you know, makes you an expert in that skill. So you have to go out and really, really work at it. But also remember to have balance. You want to have, I, I call it the duality between sports and academics. Really try to create that balance where you have something to fall back on. And that don't define yourself with a career that's only going to last a few years. You, you need something that's going to define you for your entire life, and, uh, and that's education. So really balance the two together. Great advice. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Adonald. It's been great talking with you. Thank you for having me. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.